Okay. Now, if you close your eyes, remember that lovely song, and look in your heart or your soul or your core. Look deep within you and see that there is a part of you. Know that there is a part of you and see that there is a part of you that is very happy. No matter how much sadness is in your life right now, no matter what turmoil, no matter what condition your relationships are in or your finances or your health, no matter whether or not your little life didn't turn out the way you'd hoped it would. <laughs> it's gone down the drain. Uh, but notice that there's a little part. There is a little part there. You felt it when you were singing. There's a little part that's very, very happy. Let me describe that little part to you while you look at it. It is so happy that it's purely innocent. And it looks upon everyone and everything as innocent. It looks upon your life as also innocent and harmless. It is a happiness that has no judgment and no attack, no condemnation, no anger. Can you imagine such a happiness to not judge a single living thing to not want anyone to be other than where they are in this little journey a happiness that blankets everything with the soft soft peace in your heart, in your soul, in your core, is such a happiness. Now, in this meditation, all you do is watch it grow. Watch it expand. Of course, in Miracle says, to be in the kingdom is merely to focus your full attention on it. And so you're focusing your full attention on a part of you small part of you that you know is happy, that's at peace, that knows all is well, that wishes everyone well, that's at peace with the world, that knows where your home is, that knows your God is with you. Let it expand now. I'll be silent, and during this silence, Watch it grow and grow and expand your body and your life and expand over the people beside you and over this building and over this little town of Santa Fe and over this world and this universe. Let it expand. Watch it as it expands.
And now, silently, deep in your heart, say to yourself, God is all. God is happiness. God is joy. God is mine. And I am God's. This is truly a corny poem, a corny prayer. And one of the things that you'll discover is that the cornier you are, the further along you are. <laughs> I was counseling, uh, I don't know if she's here this morning. <laughs> I was counseling a woman a while back, uh, and uh, uh, this woman had been through everything there is to see she had been initiated by Bhagwan she had sat at the feet of Krishnamurti and on and on and on and uh, I was talking to her and uh, suddenly she you know she got out her notebook and she started writing things down and then after just a minute or two she looked at what she was taking notes and she was appalled she was writing down things like all you have to do is be at peace. <laughs> Mickey Mouse stuff, you see. And she said, I can't believe I'm writing down this stuff. I know this. And of course, that's the whole point. It gets simpler and simpler. It strikes deeper and deeper, and it seems like it has a newness, a freshness. And so it seems like we're hearing it for the first time. And so this is truly a corny and therefore beautiful prayer. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. And as we said before, if you don't like religious terms, all you have to do is just say, let me be an instrument of peace today. And you're saying the same thing. Since God is peace, God is the peace in your heart. God is the peace that whispers in your ear. God is the peace that sat beside you when you were a little one, when you were your door was closed and you were crying in your room. And God is the peace that will whisper in your ear when you take your final breath. And God will be there to welcome you and help you continue on your path after you see how insignificant that little breath was. God is simply peace. And to practice peace and believe in the possibility of peace and to seek goodwill is to believe in God, whether you ever use the word or not. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. We suggested a kazoo, remember? <laughs> <laughs> Incidentally, you know, some people wanted, I told you that David Poole, although he used to be a Marine, plays a mouth organ. Some people didn't know what a mouth, a mouth organ is a harmonica. I was not being lewd. This is, that's, that's, that's really, that really is what a, now, Lord, let me be an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me sow love. How different that is than trying to love, which is so impossible because it includes a denial. Let me sow love. 
where there is injury, pardon. Where there is discord, union. Isn't that a wonderful imagery of sowing union? Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. And we talked about last time, where there is sadness, let me sow joy. Now, in one of the many versions of this prayer, not the one used in AA, uh, it continues, O Divine Master, that was, some people wondered why I brought up Georgette Higher. <laughs> o Divine Master. Well, this is, uh, you see, uh, in the... Uh, those of you, I'm sure that no one here has read a Regency romance. But if you, if you were to, then you would have an understanding as to where these terms like Lord and Master and so forth, where they came from and what they mean. And of course, they're silly. They're silly terms. But that's not important. Importance is in what it does to you. Does it help you to fall on your knees, then fall on your knees. Does it help you to pull pull your cart over the side of the road? Because you remembered how much you love God, and you just take a minute a minute to uh, say, "Father." Another silly word, isn't it? it? Has nothing to do with infinite peace, but perhaps it means a great deal to you, and you say, "Father." I love you. And you just bask in the love of your father for a moment. Then do it. Then pull over on the side of the road. O divine master, grant that I may not so much seek. Grant that I may not so much seek. Isn't that great? Grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console. To be understood as to understand. To be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. And it is in dying to self. That we are born to eternal life. Small s. A synonym for the ego. May I not so much seek. Why don't we talk a little bit about that this morning. May I not so much seek. I referred you to the little chapter in the manual for teachers in A Course in Miracles last time. The uh, little section that begins on, I believe it's page 8, called Trust. That has this little map that allows you to see at what stage of learning you are. This is a good thing to do, to study this little roadmap, so that you will not be discouraged, so you can see how far along you've come. Your ego will want you to look at how far you have yet to go. Decide instead to look at how far you have come, because this is what will take you further. And in that little section, it says, as I told you before, there are rules by which 
the mistakes that it speaks of will not happen in the first place. Excuse me, I've got my sections mixed up. Um, that that, that's, that uh, quote is actually from uh, the beginning of chapter 30 called The New Beginning. No, no, no. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, it's from, it's, from the, it's from the little section on trust. Uh, there are rules by which this will not happen. No, it's not. <laughs> I've been studying both of these this week, and I've gotten them mixed up. Uh, no, it's it's in. Uh, it's in. I know for sure now. It's in the. Uh, it's in the little section at the beginning of chapter thirty called uh, a new beginning. Now, so we talked last time about the fact that there are rules by which you will not make mistakes and that one of those rules is to want nothing from the day. But the section itself at the beginning of uh, chapter 30 will tell you how to begin your day over because what you want to do is with your roadmap, you of course want to go to the next stage of learning. But eventually, you will learn the rules whereby you will not make the mistake to begin with. However, at this time, most of you are making many, many mistakes, and you cannot help that. And so what you must learn now, what you must make as a, as a habit, as a first reaction, is beginning over once you have made a mistake instead of dwelling on the mistake and looking at how far you have to go. You want to do it quickly and easily. And you will not do this unless you devote attention to it, unless you study, unless you concentrate, unless you make it a priority in the morning. You will not easily and quickly begin over. And you will waste tremendous amounts of time dwelling on the mistakes you make and telling yourself that this is all hopeless and spending lots of time being discouraged discouraged. Why would you do such a thing when instead you could turn your efforts to beginning again? If you know, at least intellectually, that you have a choice, you can either begin again or you can dwell on the mistake. If you know you have that choice, why would you choose to dwell on the mistake? Which, as we said last Sunday, is the only thing that will delay you. Not the mistake, but thinking about it. Only thinking about the mistake will delay you, not the mistake itself. Now, knowing that, or at least having heard the concept, at least seeing the sense of it this morning, why then would you choose to dwell on the mistake, waste time, make yourself miserable? Because the ego you have made believes deeply in paying a price for everything. It believes in the concept of sin. Sin meaning it wasn't a mistake. It was much more than a mistake. It's something permanent and dirty. And it has to stay there rooted like some stump that you've, this beautiful tree and you've cut it down and there's the ugly stump, stump right there in your front lawn, although you've tried to cover it up with the red lava stone 
you know, still it peaks up. There is the sin. There's nothing you can do about it. The uh, the finger has writ, or whatever the statement is from the uh, uh, the rubiat. What is it? The moving finger writes. It has writ. And there it is, and nothing you can do can erase this. You have done this. That's what your ego loves. These awful mistakes, and you just made one. You snapped at your child. You're impatient with your spouse. You sang, you can take this job and shove it to your boss. And you were off tune. Now, this world is based on sacrifice. If you look closely, everything that is valued is valued because it is scarce, because there is a lack of it. Things must be given up in order to get anything. And everything in your life, you think, has a price. This is why you turn against your teenager. <laughs> it's no longer worth it. <laughs> what are they giving you now? You're still paying the price, but you're not getting back the little goodies you did when they were younger, you see. Or the same with your spouse. They're so disappointing now. You're still paying the price. You decide to put in grass. Yea, though you live in Santa Fe, you decided to put in grass. <laughs> and you're paying for it. You're now looking at electric little things that you ride. Although you've only got 16 feet, you're thinking, can I make a turn on this electric mower? You're out there squirting the weeds, although you don't believe in pesticides. But this is a weed killer. It's different. And so everything has a pet price. Do you see? Your friends have a price, your ego says. Right? You've got these friends, but they are a bundle of hassle, aren't they? They are exhausting. Yes, you've got your children, but how often do you try to get rid of them a little while? <laughs> and the house, it deteriorates. And if you have enough money for a swimming pool, it requires chlorine and insurance and everything else. So no matter how high you, you climb the ladder, it still has a price. Fame has a price, does it not? And we see on television people wearing disguises. Isn't this humiliating, having to wear disguises? It's the price of fame. Do you see this, that everything in your life has a price? This is what your ego loves. This is the way the world is constructed. This is the purpose of the world. That there must be a little bloodletting for all things. I'm telling you now, this is not necessary. Nothing has to have a price. And you are torturing yourself. And you are the one who demands the blood. And there's nothing out there extracting it from you. You're the one who makes yourself 
do these grinding duties for other people, these tasks, this endless cleaning up, this reciprocity that must go along with every friendship. May I tell you, it is not necessary ever for you to pay for anything. It is always possible for you to enjoy, period, whatever it is in your life. You do not believe that. Do not underestimate your disbelief for what I just said. It's another way of saying it's possible to be happy in any situation. Now, here's the thing that you can look for if you would begin to see this truth. You are the one that requires the sacrifice and the drudgery and the payment, and you have little ways of doing it that are different than other people have. You're the one who has locked yourself into these rules, things you must do. If you will just begin looking at this, and if you will just say to yourself the words, nothing has a price, no sacrifice is called for, and pain is not good for me. Because the world thinks pain is the only thing that's good for you. And this has snuck into even the teachings of some of our greatest systems and religions. That it is somehow good to suffer. How can it be good to suffer if God is good? And God is joy. And God is light. And your way home is gentle. You need pay for nothing. There need be no drudgery. I'm telling you that this walk home, this spiritual journey can become extremely easy. If you will just realize how simple it all is and not add all the other stuff that you are assuming you must do. There is nothing you must do. Study if it makes you happy to study. Pause if it makes you happy to pause and pray. But nothing is required of you except Happiness and peace and love. Now, let's take one little thing. Here's a suggestion. I make lots of suggestions. And what some of you do, I know because you tell me this after church sometimes when you're talking to me. You take one of these suggestions and you make it into some sort of duty. This is not a duty. This is a way that might make your life happier. I'm going to give you a little suggestion, a very teeny one. Some of you won't think it affects you at all. If you look a little closer, you'll see that it actually does, that it does apply. But I'm going to talk about it in terms of, uh, of say, having a, a spouse. But it can be applied to children or a friendship or a relationship with an employee or an employer. Beginnings are very important to the ego, and therefore they are very important to our mind. How something begins often sets the tone of the entire thing, whatever it may be. Beginnings are the most important thing to the, to the ego. And egos are always very excited about the beginning, and then things get worse. 
whatever it is, a new business venture, a new job, whatever it is, it gets worse. It's very exciting in the beginning, and then it gets worse. Now, the Holy Spirit's use of a beginning is to start a path of happiness. And so it's like opening a door into a room of light, and things simply get brighter as you enter the room. But you must begin in brightness, or else it's very difficult for you to throw off the darkness later. This is one of the things that you will eventually learn, and this is why you will eventually stop making the mistakes that make you miserable. But now you're making them, and you need to begin again. So let me make a little suggestion. Before your spouse or child wakes up in the morning, and you know that you will see them, or before you know that you will see your boss, take a moment to remember how much you love them because they will read in your eyes, in your mood, in your face, in the atmosphere around you, what you are presently thinking of them. This is communicated in no uncertain terms. When you run across a friend in the plaza, when someone calls you on the phone, there is an immediate reaction that is read by the other person, even though it may not be read consciously, and although you may be quite adept at covering it up, maybe a sinking feeling, maybe a feeling of, oh, my spouse has gotten up, I therefore have to make the toast, or something. Uh, the duty is beginning. Because along with this person, remember, the ego is telling you there are all these obligations, along with the job, along with the vacation, along with anything you can name. There's all this duty and drudgery and sacrifice that goes along with it. See specifically what it is in every case. Take the time to see what it is that you think you must pay for and how you must pay for it. And so, on this morning, before your spouse gets up, you sit quietly and you remember how much you love her or him. And you remember your debt of gratitude. And you say to yourself, any words of truth whatsoever. This is how simple the path home to God is. Say any words of truth and they are sufficient. Don't go around looking for the right affirmation. Truth is one. Just say the words of truth. Perhaps you'll say, there is no coincidence that I'm with this person. This is no accident. And I'm blessed. Did you realize that there are two makers of this, wor of this world? This is a surprising statement in A Course in Miracles, that there are two makers of this world. There is the maker that we call the ego, or what we refer to here in, at the dispensable church as the collective ego. So if you take all egos together and look at it as one thing, that has indeed made the world. That is the dream. 
But there is a counterpart to this dream. This Every aspect of this dream has been blessed, and a blessing has been set in place for you in every situation, in every circumstance, in every encounter you will have today. There is a blessing that has been set in place as well as the pain, the sacrifice, the drudgery, the uh, ego, fear-ridden anxiety, or whatever else it may have on an ego level. And so it is, for example, <laughs> I, uh, as I've, I've Many, I don't know how many were here when I told the story of how Gail and I met, but uh, I was reading a book by Robert Ardrey about that time. Uh, and we were living right next door to you. Those of you who remember the story, we were living right next door to each other in the same apartment. And uh, then, as you know, I ended up marrying her. That was 18 years ago. And uh, Robert Ardrey had a little line in there that the mating range of a human being is exactly the same as a mosquito. <laughs> so on, on the ego level, of course, that's the reason I married her. Because she happened to be next door. And it's very convenient, you see. You, you don't have to go out thumbing through the yellow pages and all that kind of stuff. But on another level, I was given one of a series of opportunities that we are all given to walk home with someone. That has been given to you. You may have think you've blown it, but it will be given to you again and again and again. It's Eventually you will stop blowing it. Eventually you'll just say, well, he's not great, but <laughs> he's my ticket home. <laughs> so say those words of truth to yourself. There's no coincidence, no coincidence that I find myself with this person. Remember your debt of gratitude. Now when they walk out of the bedroom with the bad breath and the rumpled hair and so forth. They will not see this sinking feeling in your eyes, do you see? Because they are a burden. You see, that is what the ego sees. The burden has gotten up. <laughs> Now, same thing, you're coming home, and you're going to open the door, and there will be, have you taken out the garbage? <laughs> <clears throat> All right, so, you pull off the side of the road. This is why I stress diarrhea so much, dispensable church. <laughs> If you can just realize what you are willing to do for diarrhea, 
then you can see how unimportant the peace of God is to you in comparison. What will you not do if you have a diarrhea attack? But what will you do if you've lost the peace of God? If you see an opportunity to make your life happier? If you see someone the way that you can bless someone? There's almost nothing you will do. Please make the peace of God as important as diarrhea. <laughs> and so you pull off the side of the road. Because you're going to be seeing this person you live with. And if you're living with someone and that's not going well, that is the major hindrance to your way home right now. I don't care how long the relationship's going to last. And if you fantasize on how long it's going to last, that's not doing you any good, is it? That just makes it all the more bitter. I don't care if you're scheduled to be divorced in a week and they're moving out. For the next week, this is your main entrance into heaven or your main hindrance, whichever you would have it be. And so you pull off the side of the road. Now your ego says, you better watch out. They're going to think you like them. <laughs> See, we think everything has a price, and we do think that it, there is a price if someone thinks we like them. See how silly that is. Pull off the side of the road. Remember your debt of gratitude. No matter what the relationship has been like with your boss or this stepchild, or this neighbor, makes no difference who it is. This person that you know you'll be seeing in just a moment, remember your debt of gratitude for them. They have brought you a little way. Those little inches, those few blocks, perhaps those miles, are precious. They took you that much closer to home. If it hadn't been for this person, this particular employee or whoever it may be, you would not have made those steps. You would eventually have made them, but this was just the right way to make them at that time. And so you owe everyone a, a, a debt of gratitude. See how innocent they are. Look upon them the way Jesus Christ looks upon you. or any of the other higher teachers that you look to as your guide. Or if you have no higher teacher that you call by name God, or your guardian, the sense of something with you. You know that there's something with you. And you know it's helped you, and you know it has whispered in your ear from time to time, and you know it has not deserted you. And boy, did it have cause. Right? How many times did you make the same mistake over and over again? And just waited patiently. Look upon this person who is such a disturbance, such a hassle, an annoyance, or simply someone that you're afraid of. You get anxious when you're around this person. You try to draw the conversation to a, clo uh, to a close quickly. You duck behind the soup cans when you see them at Piggly Wiggly. 
If you are afraid of them, you have judged them. Just the same as if you dislike them or you find them a crashing bore. And so if you're about to see them, take a moment. Remember, there's no coincidence that this relationship is in place at this time. Bless them. Say whatever words of truth come to you to say. Pay no particular uh, attention to those words of truth. Just use them because they're there. Surround the person in light and be to them as your teacher is to you. Patient, waiting, forgiving. You can do that. You can be towards someone else the way your teacher is to you. If you just will make that a value. And if you will not believe it requires a sacrifice. There's a country western song. uh, Who's going to take out your garbage. When I've packed up my bags and gone. See, that's the sacrifice. Yep, you're right. I just don't get divorced. <laughs> All right, now the poem goes on, the prayer. Grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. Uh, I tried to call this person back. This person is sitting here in the room. I tried to call this person back to find out if my impression was correct. So I'll just give you my impression. I was talking to a woman yesterday who told me that she was praying about the relationship with her husband. And uh, that she heard a voice. And I have had a number of other conversations with this woman, and I haven't heard her say that before. And I called her back to try to find out how unusual it was, because it sounded to me as if that were not a common occurrence for her to hear a gentle voice. And uh, we will call... uh, her husband, Ralph. It's not Ralph, but we'll call him Ralph. And the voice said, Make Ralph happy and you'll be happy. That came from God. When it is that corny, it comes from God. And this was inspiring to her. And she was repeating this to me. Make Ralph happy and you'll be happy. We are not here, says the prayer, to be understood. How often do you think you are there at lunch to be understood and you're telling this person what happened and they don't see the gravity of it? You are not there to be understood. You are not there to be loved. You are not there to be liked or to be respected. 
You are not there to be listened to. You are not there to be taught, but to teach. That is the same thing. To be a teacher of God is to understand, but have no interest in being understood. It is to love, but have no interest in being liked or popular. That is to be a teacher of God. You can enjoy the person who helps you out at your home or your office, the service attendant, or anyone else if you will expect nothing of them whatsoever. If you'll realize that this is literally correct, you are not there to have your windshield wiped. You are not there to have a certain quality of uh, sexual expression in your marriage. You are not there to earn X amount of money. You are not worth a certain amount of money. I'm telling you the key to happiness. I'm not telling you what the world believes. Because the world tells you that you have rights although they change every six months. But the magazines and the specials on TV scream about your rights. And notice how bitter and cramped it makes you feel because your rights are not being upheld. You are not here to have rights, but to give them. And it is a fact, although a carny one, that you will be happy as you make others happy and you'll be peaceful as you bring peace to others. Now, in this little uh, section in the manual, uh, I told you last time that most of you from the counseling that I've done are between the fourth and fifth stage. And it says in there that, uh, once again, I've gotten it wrong. Uh, this is, I'm talking about the little section called the New Beginning. That's uh, chapter, uh, beginning of chapter 30. It says in there that these at this time are more ideas than rules. Now let me just read this to you because I suggested something to you last time that could be a burden. But you see, this is what I know about most of you. you. You don't yet have an understanding of how easy this can be. You don't have a real sense of progress. You don't understand that there is a direct payoff to your efforts. Most of you still think that you are a victim of this world and that these are very nice ideas, but that somehow they just don't work for you and you've made some attempts and it didn't pay off and you're sort of discouraged and you wander around and perhaps you come to the dispensable church and perhaps you pick up this book or that book. But there is no sense of progress in your life. That's why I tell you about the little section on trust that gives you the, the road map. 
so that you can see the stages. And that's why I refer you to the section at the beginning of chapter, chapter 30, so you can take these simple rules and begin practice, practicing them so that you can see your progress. You must see your progress in order to believe that what I'm telling you is a possibility. It is possible for you to never be miserable or angry or unhappy again. You can do that in this lifetime. You can do that within a few years of hard work. And the hard work will be so much more pleasurable than what you're putting up with at the moment. But you've got to do it. You've got to get down to work. You've got to choose your way of doing it. But you've got to take the few small steps every day so that you can get a sense of having covered some ground. The peace of God is not an idea. It is a fact. It is a substance. It is life. It is reality. It is a universe in which you live. It is the bed upon which you lie dreaming. It is the arms of God in which you nap right now. This is not theory. You can have progressively more peace and happiness and love in your life. And you can begin to experience a rapture that there is nothing in this world to compare to. And you know the feeling that you had when we were singing that, that song at the beginning of the service? Uh, not, not the one that you learned, but the one when you were coming in. I know many of you felt a peace then. I could tell that many of you felt a, a, a softness and a happiness. You can have that in any... You can have that although they put your name on the checklist... Now, chapter 30. The new beginning now begins, becomes the focus of the curriculum. The goal is clear, but now you need specific methods for attaining it. The speed by which it can be reached depends on this one thing alone. Your willingness to practice every step. The steps are very simple. This prayer attributed to St. Francis, has everything that you would need. A Course in Miracles has everything that you would need. There are a hundred other things that have everything that you would need. But you must take something, and you must begin, and you must practice the little steps. And this is a dandy, this, this little section, beginning of chapter 30. Your willingness to practice every step. Each one will help a little, Every time it is attempted, it'll help a little just to try it. I promise you, you will not see any results for your efforts. Very often, you will think you've made the effort, and you will think that you got slapped in the face. Because you still believe that there should be some benefit in the world. This is the number one hindrance to your spiritual growth to think that there should be some payoff in your life, that your life should work, that your body should not be sick, that your finances should be great, that your friendship should not have turmoil, and on and on and on, because you're on a spiritual path and you're making these efforts. 
There is only one payoff to the walk toward God, and that is more God, not more world. Yes, your finances will begin to become more peaceful and your body will become more peaceful and there will be a, a sort of a uh, problem, problemlessness settle over things. But this isn't some sort of magic wand in which you, you turn old Kaisers into uh, what? <laughs> BMWs. And together will these steps lead you from dreams of judgment to forgiving dreams and out of pain and fear. They are not new to you, but they are more ideas than rules of thought to you as yet. So now we need to practice them a while until they are rules by which you live. We seek to make them habits now so you will have them ready for whatever need. I'm going to just read you the first rule. There are five rules. These are rules on how to begin over. How to begin over. So that you keep making progress. So you don't get bogged down. Yes, something's just happened. Yes, you did something that you thought you were beyond and you didn't know that you were so fouled up, so unspiritual, so unloving, whatever it may be. But what are you going to do now that it's just happened? Are you going to keep walking home? Are you going to stop there and moil in the whole thing and let the day be ruined? We let the day get out of hand so quickly. It turns sour so quickly. There are rules by which you can start the day over and continue your progress. Please do this. Please, three months from today, come up to me and say, you know, I have never experienced so much peace and love in my life ever. It's so simple, isn't it? Three months. What is three months? You've devoted 20, 30, 40, 50 years to attack and bitterness, judgment. So the first rule. Decisions are continuous. You do not always know when you are making them. But with a little practice, with the ones you recognize, a set begins to form which sees you through the rest. It is not wise to let yourself become preoccupied with every step you, you take. It is not wise to let yourself become preoccupied with every step you take. The proper set, adopted consciously each time you wake, will put you well ahead. And if you find resistance strong and dedication weak, you are not ready. How do you know if you've done your work long enough, your quiet, happy work in the morning, setting your tone for the day? How do you know if you've done it long enough? If you find resistance strong and dedication weak, you are not ready. You know how long. You know when you're ready. If you have a sense of determination and resolve, and you know if this is not some perfect state of peace you're trying to arrive at in the morning but have a sense of strength have a sense of yes this is indeed the most important thing I have to do today and when you feel that get up don't ask if there's still some little fear and anxiety and so forth racing around in you of course there will be yes I see it clearly now get up and start your day and you'll blow it in three minutes <laughs> Now, 
What do you do? Do not fight yourself, but think about the kind of day you want and tell yourself there is a way in which this very day can happen just like that. Then try again to have the day you want. You see how simple that is? You simply notice the kind of day you want. The kind of day. You're not planning it. You're not being specific about what events have to take place. But what tone do you wish to this day? This is such a powerful exercise to close your eyes and imagine the kind of day you want. May I ask you to do that now for just a few seconds. Close your eyes. Today is Sunday. You've got the rest of the day. What kind of day would you like to have today? I'm not speaking of specifics. I'm talking about tone. Would you like a day of peace? What tone would you like to your encounters? What would you like to feel today? How would you like to feel? How would you like to look upon other people? How would you like to react to other people? How would you like to react to this situation and that situation? So for just a moment, imagine the kind of day you would like to have. Okay, that's it. That's the first rule. All you have to do whenever your day goes wrong is try the first rule. Now, what happens in the other rules is it takes you a step, makes the step even simpler. And if that doesn't work, it's even simpler. If that doesn't work, it's even simpler. It goes down five steps, down five steps. It becomes five ways simpler. So that you're retreating a little bit each time because it didn't work. You made your effort and, and, you're, and it's still not working. You're still not feeling any peace. Not perfect peace, but you're not having a sense of peace. And so you take, take another step back and you start on even a simpler basis. But this is indeed a simple one. You don't like the way you feel, and so you stop and you imagine the kind of day you want. And then you say to yourself, I can have this kind of day if I will make no decisions by myself. If I will make no decisions by myself. You make no decision by yourself. Did you know that? You make your decision with something else every time you decide anything. You are turning either to your ego or to your internal teacher. And you make every decision during the day with either Christ or Antichrist, with either God or ego, with either love or fear, with either something or nothing. Don't make your decisions with nothing, with just the absence of light. Make your decisions with gentleness, with peace, with love, so you imagine the kind of day you want and you say, I can have this kind of day if I will make no decisions by myself. If I will turn to my peaceful preference. If I will turn to my genuine love of gentleness. Dispensapalians. 
you would not be sitting here if you did not want gentleness and peace and love in your life. You know that's what you're going to hear from me. <laughs> Don't doubt this about yourself. You are a good person if you can sit here and listen to me talk for an hour about peace and gentleness. If you weren't ready to hear that, you would get out of your seat and you'd leave. You are a good person. You know this. You make your decision by either turning to anger and irritation and fear or by turning to your love of harmony and peace and gentleness.